Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to the Nylon Nine podcast. It is Nylon and Andrea talking about music on our regular podcast chat. Andrea, how are you? I'm good. I I don't know if I'm going to be able to either match or keep up the energy that you're bringing, but I'm loving it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm loving it. Hello, everyone. Yes, I have cut my hair. Um, Yeah, I can see you all. Looks good. I have cut it. Thank you very much. It was nearly to my waist. It is now above my shoulders, and I feel like I can run faster. And uh, feel like a little fancy poodle. Very good. <laughs> a little fancy I'm feeling. poodle. Little very fancy good. poodle. Like she's that. had it. She's. I have not attended a hairdresser. I very much did it myself. And if you could see it, you'd you'd know that. Um, it looks good. Yeah. Just wanted, looks good, yeah. good wanted to get that out of the way. Niall said I look like the cartoon version of myself, which I, I took as a very very high compliment. So thank you for that. <laughs> in a good way. In a really good way. <laughs> yeah. In a know, good way. In you're a like because you're identifiable. That's why. So today, what are we doing? Yeah. We're not playing any so, music. <laughs> on this podcast, we, no, we're not playing any music. We're going to talk about, um, I think something, a topic that we've kind of avoided for a while because it's so big and so vast and hard to like comprehend in one go, but we're going to try. Um, this is all coming from uh, a specific news that's happening in the last uh, week. Um, so we're going to talk about streaming music streaming and the broken record campaign and why this is happening at the moment what is happening around it what is the problem with streaming why are people criticizing it what do they want from uh, what changes do people want um, and contextualizing all of the things that are happening in terms of uh, recorded music and releases and uh, money and revenue for artists and the trickle down and whatever happens with artists uh, in terms of money so <clears throat> we'll be kind of mostly talking about Spotify uh, in this episode, but a lot of the 
uh, spoiler criticisms that will that will be leveled against Spotify uh, also applies to other kind of streaming platforms. It's just a little bit easier to kind of speak about these things in terms of yeah, Spotify. So. Spotify is the big the big streaming service. Obviously. He's the big boy. Um, so we're going to talk about that. So before we delve in too deep into that, I'd just like to say, uh, if you like what we do here, and many of you people out there uh, sent us a nice message about the Italo Disco uh, podcast last week. Aww. We really appreciate it. Um, uh, Patreon.com forward slash 909 if you want to support us from a five or a month. It's all there. And we have a lovely Discord where we're having chats with people, as we keep saying. And uh, it's been really Hi, nice. Discord. Um, so, yeah, we were talking about best album openers on, on Discord, which I might do my own playlist of. I think I actually, mm. actually have started it already. I've got 50 tracks. But it was fun. It was a fun thing to do. I listened to like 50 uh, my favorite album openers last night. So I had a really good time doing that. So patreon.com forward slash 99 if you want to support that and 99.com otherwise. So, okay, the broken record campaign, it's in the news at the moment. I'm going to talk a little bit why that is happening. First of all, obviously for musicians in the last year, like everybody else, there's been a pandemic. We haven't been able to play live. They haven't been able to do anything in terms of uh, making money. And like live is really where musicians make their money and has been in the last 10, 15 years. And uh, with the decline in the CD era, we got, you know, the likes of Napster and all of the uh, illegal download software and all that kind of stuff that ha- that proliferated and uh, Metallica and all that kind of stuff, LimeWire and all those kind of uh, services that weren't uh, licensed. And then Spotify rose um, from uh, the ashes of those illegal download and dodgy like sites and stuff and became a legitimate platform for people to hear music and of course while Spotify is great in terms of its listening and the fact that you can access it very cheaply or for free with ads it does have issues and it has long had issues in terms of how it uh, pays out artists as well but when you have a situation where artists are no longer making huge money or they can't rely on the income from recorded music because they used to be able to sell CDs or, I mean, vinyl is doing quite well, but still that requires manufacturing and distribution and all the costs associated with that. Streaming is a digital service. And so the Broken Record campaign is a campaign that was started by Tom Gray, who is, uh, you may know, as uh, one of the members of the band Gomez, the Mercury Prize winning band. Um, so he has direct experience in record label deals. And what we're going to start with is really like going back to, you know, this was all being talked about for the last few years, but it really, because of the lack of income in the last year for musicians, it really highlighted just how little streaming returns uh in terms of revenue to the songwriters and artists who uh, make that music. So Tom Gray has, he started the Broken Record campaign and the very start of this comes back to one of the main issues at the heart of the campaign goes right back to the heady days of the music business. So we're talking like the 60s and 70s and 50s even when bands were signed to major labels and given a recoupment deal which he described as a non-ethical exploitative deal. So what is a recoupment deal? A lot of the time, so what happens is a a major label will uh, give a contract to an artist saying, we're going to give you an advance of this this amount of money. And uh, that is an advance for what comes next, the money you make. Um, So 
he describes it as a curious form of investment in which an artist has to pay back all the money that is spent on them to their share of the stream or sale. So an artist gives up their intellectual property to uh, copyright to a label to exploit and use. Um, but at the same time, what what is supposed to happen is, say an artist gets, say Frank Ocean, whatever, so just pick an artist for... for uh, me, me. Yeah, Andrea Cleary's um, Sad Girl Summer Project gets yeah. 200k... 200,000 euro uh, advance because the label thinks that her sad girl summer songs are going to sell by the bucket load and make them lots of money. <laughs> right? So that's what's Obviously. happened. They, you get 200,000. So what happens is the expectation is that once the artist makes that money back, that 200,000, then they will get earned royalties. But that's not really what happens because what really happens is... Because nobody bought my sad girl summer project so you're a mass your side girl summer project is massively successful andrea cleary oh. is clearing up uh, everywhere but amazing so she's made the money back but what happens is then all the costs associated with that release the marketing the videos the artwork the photo shoots manufacturing distribution uh, reissues Merch. deluxe versions all of those will be offset by the advance against the okay. uh, advance that you have been paid, the money you got up front will never really stop um, being owed because they're just piling on the costs on the other side. Okay, right. So you're never going to really earn royalties from the advances, the money you're basically going to... You're never going to see anything so else. So I'll, really. I'll only earn royalties once uh, my once my label has kind of broken even... Yeah. on the advance that they gave me and on top of that also the costs associated with everything you just mentioned there like merch and tours and and uh, yeah. uh marketing and, and so on is that is that the case yeah well that's if you're in a 360 deal where they also okay uh, the label also takes a cut of the merch and everything that okay. is non-recorded as well um so sure. generally speaking we know that a million streams doesn't offer much money but typically in these the kind of major label deals an artist has traditionally got about 15 to 20 percent of the amount returned from a stream um, and mm. it's very rare for an artist to get 50 50 uh, from a label the money that you are earning for the label is always going to be offset against the advance they are the money that the artist receives up front this is how they've operated for many many years right they've operated in this way they give you money up front they glamour you with you know if they take you out for dinner that, that goes against your advance. That's expenses. That goes against like, so all of this money, studio time, all those things that they are paying for is going back uh, on your account, essentially, that you're mm -hmm. paying off. Tom Gray has a direct experience of that with his band Gomez talking about signing to a label, getting dropped. and But like in the meantime, the label releasing uh, reissues of doing reissues of the versions of the albums and that was always resetting and going back on their advance so they never really made any money so mm. the main thing now is that because an artist gets such a tiny amount from streaming if he even gets to that point um, that it's never going to knock off any of that uh, money it's very obviously a structural problem mm. so even when in a time where people are actually spending more money on music in terms of like Spotify subscriptions every month blah blah over across the board it's still, there's not enough money to go around. Um, there are three big major labels, Universal, Sony and Warner. So a lot of the deals we're talking about are to do with them, but it's not just them. It's also the independent labels as well. One of the problems is, say, for example, here's a good example, right? Drake 
was the most streamed artist on the planet in 2019 and only a third of his income comes from streaming. So Mm -hmm. that tells you how broken the system is because if you're not making enough money as the most streamed artist on the planet, then something's got to go wrong. And then you go Mm. right back to a small independent four or five piece band who are splitting the tiny amount that they get back. You're talking about peanuts, right? So Spotify is really not transparent at all about how artists actually get paid per stream. It can depend from artist to artist and it can depend on region, but the general ballpark is between 0.003 and 0.005, not of a dollar, of a cent. So it's about a third third of a penny or a third of a cent. Yeah. Euro cent. Um, And so you'll you'll need around 250 streams to make a dollar. Um, And... As as you said, I mean, COVID-19 has obviously um, compounded this issue um, and physical sales in America have fallen around 23%, according to the Recording Industry Association of America. And then this obviously on top of revenue from tours, etc. Streaming revenue has kind of become very much essential for people who are trying to make music um, off, off of, or trying to make money rather off of their music. So Spotify pays their art- artists monthly from their net revenue collected from ads and premium subscription fees. So if you're not paying for Spotify, the ads that you're listening to are your payment and Spotify will collect money from those people who are paying for ads. If you are paying for Spotify, like I am, like you are, then that money is going to go into a big pool. So when Spotify pays these artists, they tally the total number of streams for each of the artist's songs. They determine who owns each song and then they distribute that money throughout. So the first people that get paid are the rights holders. And then it is the distributor, uh, which might be the same as the rights holder, but isn't always. And then finally, it's the artist. Um, So Spotify take about 20% of their revenue and they distribute it this way. They keep 30% for themselves because they're a business. And then so that that 70% goes to the rights holders who then pay artists based on the agreements that they have between one another. In the conversation that we're having here, we're not going to go into agreements between artists and their rights holders, but that is a conversation that I think is worth having because there's some shady shit going on there as well, but it's beyond the scope of, of this episode, I reckon. According to uh, D- David McCandless, he he figured out that an artist on Spotify would need over 4 million streams per month to earn the US minimum mo- monthly wage of $1,160 M- minimum wage. Um, four million streams a month um and compared to streaming a song downloading a song is estimated to be around 5.5 times more valuable for an artist than a stream in august 2016 music business worldwide reported that spotify started paying producers to create music and place tracks on like kind of highly followed and popular playlists and the playlisting is a it's is a big issue. I think we might actually come to playlisting in a little while when 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 I talk about um the listening experience. But to just go back to the, to the payment model, it is a pro rata model, which means that all of the money is pooled together and distributed between the artists, and that starts with the artists who have the most streams. But you can imagine that this, like it, it it does sound fair. If you have the most streams, then you should be paid the most. But when you look at big labels who have big catalogs you know the big three that you mentioned there these are people who own the rights to like the Beatles music to Michael Jackson's music to Led Zeppelin to to these artists who are getting week on week month on month 
millions of streams, then it's hard to kind of find the incentive to release your song on Spotify when it's not only competing for space and money against everything else that is released that week and that month, but it's also competing against the entire back catalog of music that that Spotify has. And, you know, that that is one of the one of the really big things that Spotify has in its favor from a kind of a UI point of view is that we we will always say like, yeah, Yes, streaming has its problems, but isn't it amazing to have the the world, the, the the entire history of music at, at at your fingertips? And I think that this this is a this is actually a major problem for for artists when it comes to to getting uh to getting paid. And there doesn't seem to be an indication that Spotify intends to change their their model so that maybe new artists or new new releases are are paid from a in in a kind of a different model or or, for, or from a different area of whatever they're bringing in revenue wise. Um, it's all just kind of lumped in. So it does mean then that labels with huge acts in their back catalog are getting a massive massive slice of this pie coming in monthly without even really much of an incentive to release new music because because they're just earning money off their old music and then new artists are kind of being left to uh to scramble for 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 what's left over after that which which can be as we said you know fractions a fraction of a cent per play so it is really really not a good system if you are a new artist. It's a great system if you are a label and you ha- own the rights to music from people who are already dead and you can just <laughs> pick it all up at the end of every month without having to do anything. So that's r- rough, roughly how it breaks down. Yeah, the scale of a catalog that an, uh, a label or publisher has means that mm-hmm. that is the scale model. That's why it works so well. Um, yeah. for the major labels who also have um between six and seven percent ownership i think in spotify as well two of the uh, yeah the uh, universal and sony yeah sorry i did find out uh that uh warner um had sold i did say they sold 100 percent their shares for 500 million um so apparently over a two percent stake yeah. Okay, so back to the Broken Record campaign and why it's in the news at the moment. In recent months, Broken Record had led to uh, UK parliamentary inquiries into the economics of streaming, where uh, executives from Spotify, Apple and Amazon were questioned by uh, UK MPs about how streaming works. So if basically people were going, the MPs were really trying to understand the economics of well, how the label system works, how streaming works, all that kind of stuff. Did you watch any any of the uh, the inquiries at all? They were quite interesting, actually. I don't I can't remember the MPs, but they seem to show a very decent grasp for how things okay. work, which was interesting as well. It it wasn't um, like when um when Mark Zuckerberg was speaking to Congress and they were like, and what and what is a like? What what y- does yeah, that no, mean? Yeah, no, they weren't. They were a bit more clued in than that. Thank fuck. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. What is this has all led to is a. 156 British artists have put out a call, an open letter, calling on the Prime Minister to put the value of music back in the hands of the music makers. A load of people, Annie Lennox, Chris Martin, Paul McCartney, Gary Barlow, Kate Bush, Noel Gallagher, Boy George, loads of different people, um, Phil Coulter, um, all sorts of people, uh, Quez, uh, Kano, Mike Skinner of... uh, of the streets, we got Yanis uh, from Foles, Hannah Peel, um, loads and loads and loads and loads. Thurston Moore's on it, um, Field Music, Kate Nash, loads of different people, all signed this letter saying that 
basically they are asked they're calling on um the prime minister to do something about this uh says for too long streaming platforms record labels and other internet giants have exploited performers and creators without rewarding them fairly we must put the value of music back where it belongs in the hands of music makers uh, streaming is quickly replacing radio as our main means of music communication however the law is not kept up with the pace of technolo- technological change and as a result, performers and songwriters do not enjoy the same protections as they do in radio. Today's musicians receive very little income from their performances. Most featured art uh, receive fi- tiny fractions of a US cent per stream and session musicians receive nothing at all. To remedy this, only two words need to change in the 1988 Copyright Designs and Patents Act. This will modernize the law. So they're actually asking for, this is the first step they're asking for, uh, rather than trying to put a the other things i've seen recently is trying to put a sort of a regulator which also this letter talks about they need a regulator for streaming and to ensure the lawful and fair treatment of music makers that would be uh, a regulatory body that could uh, disallow uh, those exploitative record label deals which the record label business is is uh, is built on allow those to exist into the future uh, a regulator which could potentially stop that they're asking for a 50 50 split in terms of how this works, in terms of the streaming returns, or rather than fifteen or twenty percent, or whatever it is, and um, that's the really the major thing they're asking this week. But the fact that so many high-profile artists have put their name behind this means that this has really gathered a huge amount of steam in the last six months for sure. And um, mm-hmm. so, it's really interesting because obviously the UK is a huge um, music business market and with brexit and all that stuff happening in the mix they will have to now really consider how this works in the future how streaming is going to work how their industry is going to work are people going to be able to go there and play in the same way is it going to have the same attraction so now that they are out of europe they are in a position which funny enough to look at this and see how this Mm -hmm. could actually affect uh, the music business and the makers of music and um, the letter was backed by the musicians union and the ivers academy collectively representing thousands of tens of thousands of uk performers composers and songwriters the hashtag broken record campaign tom gray started it you can see his um mr tom gray uh, on twitter is uh, his um handle and uh he got a lot of media attention for this this week didn't he he did. I, I heard him on Six Music, I think, uh, towards the end of last week discussing it. And he's been on a few podcasts around the place as well. Yeah, I think he started this about a year ago. And, yeah. you know, and I've looked at it a lot. And I think because a lot of the times because it's fact and figures and it's difficult things to understand, even like I've worked a bit with publishers here and there. And you're like, even you have to remind yourself constantly how it works and what it is and how licensing works and all that kind of stuff so he has a pinned mr tom gray on twitter has a pinned um, thread uh, explaining how um, musicians get paid and royalties and licenses and all that kind of stuff and i think that's the problem with why the system as it is in pl- currently in place and it is exploited by uh, major record labels still exists because there's a it's it's not a it's not a willful ignorance but it's kind of like an obfuscated you know system that kind of there's not a lot of transparency in it you don't know how many Mm. people what you don't get to see the the label deals you don't get to see artist deals you don't really know what's happening so 
the the fact now that the UK is asking for equitable remuneration uh, means that they're looking for a 50-50 split between labels and artists as opposed to um, from streaming services, from streaming revenue. Um, so that's that would entail legislation because um, it, they needed to actually ask. The only people that can do that are the politicians themselves um, and, and maybe uh, that is one of the main reasons why the open letter exists. So that is one thing that's happening, the broken record. And at the same time, nearly every day there's an article about from an artist who details their, you know, Spotify streaming numbers and their rate and talking about how different it is, like we discussed there, how it's different per stream. It's different uh, because it's on an ad tier or it's a free tier or a premium or what playlist it's on with passive listening, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Um, so there was a protest, a series of protests actually called Justice at Spotify, where a lot of artists, independent musicians who, uh, you know, have spent a year without live performance income and have really like to galvanize people to do this. They uh, uh, commenced a series of protests uh, called Justice at Spotify at the platforms offices around the world in la uh people including julia halter and members of the newly formed union of musicians and allied workers uh, went to spotify's office and julia halter read out the demands among them increasing payments to uh, rights holders to just a penny per stream so for context so we're saying a spotify stream currently is between 0.003 and zero zero five zero zero five. So we're talking about moving that to point zero one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So one penny as opposed to a third of a penny, or or half of a penny is what could be at the moment. Or and a the other thing, yeah, a halfpenny. So the other thing about that is that you know major labels also have different deals in terms of their rates and what they get back, and they probably get more. They we do get more than uh, an independent artist who's say putting music up on spotify through distro uh kid or in a tune core or whatever it is that uh, is that how you say that just distro kids is that how you say it i've never said it out loud before i think so yeah yeah i just i've just never heard it i i I read it and my brain my brain just goes (laughs) 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 (laughs)
it is, and how and, much it can grow. It's um, yeah. The, the, in, in in the tech world, it's not about how valuable you are now. It's about how valuable you are projected to be this time next year, this time five years, and what that percentage growth rate is going to be. So it 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 can never stop. It can never stand still. And therefore, it, Spotify and and these these sorts of companies, even both within and outside the mu- the music industry, never have a chance to kind of stand still, take stock, um, or e- even look at things like ethics. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just it's just percentage growth over and over and over and over yeah. again. That's that's all it is. There's Spotify's stock price is actually up 150% over the last year since the pandemic as well. Me. So, yeah. but the problem is that the royalty payments have not gone up in kind as well. They've, if anything, yeah. the argument has been that they've got lower. And it's not the case that because, you know, there's there's often criticism that people make is that, oh, oh, we've too many artists, so that's why no one's getting, it. like there's, there's too many artists looking for a piece of the, of the pie. That's not I mean, the that, case. I mean, that... That is true to an extent, but it it, it is not. Uh, Spotify is under absolutely no obligation to pit all of the, these artists against each other. It, it like the the more and more I, I I read about this, the more I can't understand why they can't organize their revenue and and their payouts to uh, artists based on whether they're releasing new music, whether they're a legacy artist, whether they're like or how how much of a monopoly does do the big three labels have is it could could there be a system in which there is incentive where smaller labels are incentivized to to come on spotify where there's they'll maybe make a a little bit extra than than the major labels will there is just absolutely no (laughs) there's there's no evidence that spotify are even remotely interested in supporting uh new new artists new music or uh, or independent music or anything like that i have an argument to make against spotify well before we before we get to there can i just um, finish the yeah uh, the just a bit about the aftermath of all this stuff sorry just i meant to say with apple music they put out an open letter themselves and committed to uh increasing the average uh, the stream to one penny per stream yeah. or individual paid plans so they were committing to that and then like the other thing is all this like the other things that have angered people in the last couple of years and especially with spotify everyone's talked about how spotify is talking about pity p- pivoting to an audio platform so therefore you know where it gets your podcasts and you're like you know this podcast can be heard on spotify for example um but it also it has acquired production companies who make uh, podcasts like gimlet and anchor um, signed production contracts with like Prince Harry and Meghan, Barack and Michelle Obama, all that kind of stuff. Exclusive Joe deals. Joe gave Rogan, like a ridiculous amount of money to Joe million, Rogan. Hundred million apparently. Hundred so, million. God. So they're willing to pay for talent, but you know, in terms of getting artists and, and Joe there. Rogan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, but you know, unlike the rights to music, you know, Spotify doesn't own the rights to music, but its podcast investment will be there their original content like netflix so that's kind of what Mm. they're hoping to do and then late last year they uh, launched an initiative which had a lot of criticism which was described as a promotional recording royalty rate that you could have a song played automatically after 
in playlists or in uh, after and uh, in auto autoplays, for example, mm. a folk uh, kind of like a focus track. Say you have a new release out and you want you listen to twenty tracks on a playlist, and that playlist stops, and then the next song would be yours. To do that, you get a reduced royalty rate. So there was a lot of criticism around that because it's people. A lot of people said it was like the the 80s when payola was uh, in in radio where people were paying literally to get their song on air and when you have a huge company like spotify basically you know not to say that people don't listen to apple music and title but i mean they don't into the same level i mean they don't listen to title <laughs> no title yeah they don't sorry they don't <laughs> yeah, no not, one no one has ever used title uh, yeah i don't even know oh it's no like, sorry i think if i remember correctly i think craig fitzpatrick from the no encore podcast had a thing where he had a title subscription and he kept forgetting to delete it or to cancel it or something so he's he's i think the only person i know who's yeah, ever used title it looks like one of those dodgy things now that you actually you wouldn't be able to get out of. You're just like, I'm stuck yeah. paying this forever. Um, but yeah. yeah, but Spotify is the major one. But there has been some other developments recently and they are worth talking about. I mean, as an example, in the last year, in terms of positives, we've seen, you know, for independent music, Bandcamp Friday, uh, once a month, every every month um, since the pandemic started. Uh, Bandcamp has been uh, waiving the revenue that they make um, of every sale on the platform, uh, waiving it for a whole day once a month. And that has really, you know, enabled artists to make a huge amount of money and way more money than they'd ever make on Spotify in a year. On a their day. first Bandcamp day, which uh, I think they announced it on Paddy's Day last year and then it was the next Friday. Uh, when they announced that they were going to waive the waive the fees, they they take around ten to fifteen percent of each sale on on the site. So they were wa- wa- waiving that ten to fifteen percent. Artists on Bandcamp made four point three million dollars that Friday, which is fifteen times more than the revenue that the site makes on 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 a typical Friday. It's unbelievable, and that and the fact that they've kept it up and they've been doing it. I I don't know if it's monthly, but there there have been like semi regular Bandcamp Fridays yeah. um, that have that 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 have happened. Yeah, I think always bought something on it um uh, as in i haven't actually i think maybe once i bought something on Bandcamp that wasn't on the Bandcamp friday but now i i make sure to go and check when it is um it's a a fantastic initiative but yeah yeah and i would i would i think you know we all got kind of caught up in the same way that like for example record store day people start doing special releases and stuff like this Mm. you know I mean, I would I would also say to people who are actually w- wanting to support the artists on Bandcamp Friday, buy buy their albums, buy something that they actually you actually want. Not like you don't. There's a lot of artists trying to do special Bandcamp Friday releases, and that's cool and yeah. all. But like, don't forget about like the bands that you've been listening to for years that maybe you you haven't got around to buying something from. That is a good way to do it. Like, because it can be quite overwhelming on Bandcamp Friday. It's been so successful that it's actually Bandcamp Fridays are so. Um, they're so successful that uh, it actually means that um, people uh, are trying really hard to get their do new releases and stuff like that. But actually, and that costs money. Yeah, so and that costs you, money. You, you want to make sure that you're you're supporting the artist without also putting a lot of pressure on the artist to create new special shiny things for you. Do you know what I yeah. mean? 
So it's the first Friday every month. Um, it is May 7th, 2021 is the next one, Bandcamp Friday. Um, <clears throat> separate to that then, SoundCloud, which, you know, SoundCloud is a bit of a sad story in my head, like, which is maybe a bit unfair, but like, it was a huge um, discovery platform. I use it. I still use it, but it really seemed to drop off in terms of usage. It's still used as a, as a place um, to put new uh, tracks but you know artists now would go oh will you share my spotify not my soundcloud problem with soundcloud is it got the major labels wanted um, them to pay the licensing issue uh, pay the huge licensing and they couldn't really sustain both um you know a new discovery platform and then also have the legitimate uh, major label artists on there without and so but they announced last month that um they have rolled out a new revenue model based on fan-powered royalties. So what does that mean? They say they have 175 million users per month, um, um, 76 million active monthly users. Um, so this fan-powered royalty structure aims to level the field for independent artists by delivering money the service makes from listeners. So if you, you, have, a, you have a subscription to SoundCloud, the idea is, and this is the user-centric model that many people want Spotify to go towards, where your nine ninety nine is divided up based on what you listen to that month, and that money goes directly to those artists that you listen to, not to Ed Sheeran, not to Drake, if you don't listen to Drake, not to whoever else is top of the charts or like at the moment. The money goes directly to the person that you've been listening to, and that's not how this works currently at the moment. I think Spotify. I think a lot of people who use spotify think that that's how it works yeah yeah so, a lot of people think that yeah that's there's a fallacy uh, argument there that people are like yeah yeah stream their music on spotify you hear you still hear it yeah. a lot and he's like yeah that's not really stream I mean, folklore yes. yeah <laughs> it's like taylor swift does not need us to stream folklore she's doing fine she's getting yeah. a big 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 piece of that pie at the end of the month yeah you know so she's she's she'll be okay so that is a good positive example because it shows, well, maybe SoundCloud isn't as big as what, what it could be or should be um, at this point now. It does show that there are um, alternatives to the pool model that's paid out based on its share of total streams as opposed to, you know, a percentage base of, which is a tiny, tiny percentage in the grand scheme of things. Imagine your money like actually directly went to the person that uh, you Imagine. only listened to. It's a simple concept. What, um, what a concept. Okay, so something I'm, when we talk about the problems with Spotify, I think a lot, a lot of the conversation is centered around artists. I think rightfully so, but Spotify is also a product that a lot of us pay for or a lot of us pay for via ad ad sales and revenue and and, and so on. So I, I want to talk about some problems with Spotify from the point of view of the listener um, and the way that Spotify is set up is not something that I believe to be a positive kind of user experience and, and listening experience. The service that Spotify provides for its customers is like a lot, like most of the tech world, different to what we actually per perceive or understand it to be. I mean, you can kind of think about it. It's it's not as sinister as, as this, but there's there's a kind of a there's a comparison to be made with how we initially kind of went into social media a little bit blind and not truly understanding what it was that we were signing up for. I I think Spotify is is kind of the same. We mentioned there the um the disparity between what we think we're doing, which is paying 9.99 a month to the artist we like and actually what is actually happening that my 999 is probably going to Drake and Taylor Swift and nobody else. And Spotify, I mean, if so, if, if you take, for example, playlisting on Spotify, 
playlisting in Spotify is based in in some part on on the kind of like the the mixtape model, not mixtapes that uh, Denise Tyler releases, but mixtapes as in like a tape that you would have made for a friend. It, there, it's re- recommendations from you to a friend or from a friend to you, burned onto a CD, recorded onto a cassette and passed around as, hey, you you might like this. And, you know, as, as people, we love finding music through recommendations, especially recommendations from a friend, especially recommendations from somebody who knows us and understands our tastes. And I think our understanding of, of the algorithms within Spotify is that, you know, they they will have you believe that your playlists are being curated based on your listening preferences, which is true, but only kind of. It's only partly true. Spotify is not interested in whether or not you discover new music, and it is not good at letting you discover new music. It's actually really, really bad at letting you discover new music. Its one and only goal is to keep you on Spotify. It doesn't matter a damn what you listen to, whether you have found your new favorite band or whether you just stream lo-fi beats to chill or relax to for 12 hours in a row, it has absolutely no incentive to, to introduce you to new music. And I, the more I kind of engage with and think about the mood section of Spotify, the more kind of freaked out by all of this I go like you see you see these playlists in in the mood section of Spotify that 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 are created and curated to replace radio spots Spotify in the US at least is aiming to be the uh, number one competitor of radio and a lot more people a lot a, a larger percentage of the population listen to the radio in the US than they do here um, or, or in the UK. So they're they're really, really gunning for that. And they're doing that by making playlists uh, for every single moment of your life. So are you having your morning coffee? Here's a playlist. Are you, here's some songs to sing in the shower. Here's some songs for your commute. Oh, you're, you're at work. Here's some music for concentration or studying. Here's music for the drive home. Here's music for your run or for the gym, music to relax to, music to fall asleep to, repeat. And that's and that's how they're kind of forming this this basis of just keep listening, keep passively listening. You wake up in the morning, you turn on Spotify, and if you are not if if, if you're not the kind of person who wants to go and discover new things, then you can just passively let it play all day and there will be a mood for everything. And it it's kind of fun like my my housemate and I whenever we find a specific mood that um it's yeah. it's kind of like a, a, like a, a really really freaky one that um that happened before was I I got a um a suggestion for PMS playlist at a very spookily accurate time of the month and I was like huh okay <laughs> that's I don't I don't like that don't yeah. do that hmm okay. um it's that that yeah that's really spooky but anyway so it does set Spotify up. This this sort of model sets Spotify up to be a really big competitor to to radio because you don't need to touch that dial. Whatever mood or situation you're in, there's a playlist for that. In, in, in the States, whenever I say in America, it always, I don't know, it always sounds funny. In the States, um, artists can receive up to 50% royalties from what, what's being played on the radio. So if you leave the radio on all day, you're probably supporting artists better than you are if you leave Spotify on all day. And that, all of that, is if 
you even make it onto that playlist as an artist. And most artists don't. You might be clicking into an indie playlist, say, like a, in, indie feel-good tunes. You've, you've seen all these. The chances that you're actually going to find independent artists on that playlist are extremely slim. The chances of finding independent artists on rap playlists, hip-hop playlists, R&B playlists, pop playlists, extremely slim. Spotify haven't set up these playlists to help you discover new things they've set them up so that you can switch off from the pressure of choosing to listen to and and when and and why and so on and so this then this kind of algorithmically collated playlists that aren't you know gathered by a human um they have a lot of problems and we now enter the gender representation uh portion of okay. my rant before we get uh, to that can i just ask about like, how dare the- you speak over me you man <laughs> 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 just, just before we get to your little woman bit <laughs> no, <I'm joking>. <laughs> <laughs> no i just i just don't want to get i meant to ask a question two three minutes ago and it's Go got on, to the point sorry. now where i'm like Okay, with about the new music playlist stuff, right? Mm. Do you really, you said there, you made a very bold statement about, you know, Spotify doesn't care about new music. No, no, it doesn't care about you discovering new music. Right, but then that's my question. Like you're looking at New Music Friday, Release Radar, Discover Weekly. Mm -hmm. For people like myself and yourself who, and people listening to this podcast who Mm -hmm. will delve into music that's released every week and who want to hear new stuff and who are actively seeking music. um, Do you, I think, that Spotify does a very good job for us in terms of discovery. what What I will say to you is spend a week listening to your discover weekly so there's this kind of two there's new music friday and just discover weekly new new, Release new music radar, friday yeah yeah, well, r- new yeah music friday is the big you know public playlist everybody wants oh to be yeah on sorry friday yeah so the release radar new... is like all the artists you follow it, and yeah. then discover weekly is the stuff you may enjoy which i generally yeah. don't vibe with most of the time okay exactly right so what what i'll say about those things are your the discover weekly which is uh uh cute curated algorithmically to you how often do you do you look at your discover weekly and actually find a new artist that you've never heard of before um, out, well, out of the 20 tracks in that how how, how many how many tracks how many tracks or artists do you already know i'd wager it's about 15 of them i reckon there's five in i can there look at it now and i can tell you how many artists i already know but i think my problem is my data is probably pretty skewed because of how i listen to it you know well, well sure okay so my, my my next point on that is the artists that they are serving you in that are not they're not interested in giving you the artists that you will like the best they're giving you the artists the that that are more likely to get higher streams from people so more more successful artists they're not going to serve you in that playlist an artist who they think is only going to get a little teeny few streams because they don't have a huge following or whatever if it's between like if it's for me say if it's between like london grammar's new song and uh an artist who I've never heard of, but who has released something this week, who would be within the kinds of genres that I listen to, who who sounds a bit like other things that I like, but it doesn't really have a following yet. They're going to give me London Grammar, so that's that's what I mean when when I say that they that they're not interested in you finding new music. They're interested in you finding new music from artists that you already follow. 
Yeah, well, maybe I mean that's kind of what release radar is supposed to be, but Discover Weekly. Um, but that's also like, what Discover my, Weekly does. My point is about like I've definitely yeah I've heard uh, Moody Man is on it. I've heard, listened to loads of Moody Man, Viagra Boys, uh, Jane Weaver, whose album I was listening to uh, very recently, um, Kasha, who's uh, was formerly known as. Um, What's a, a bonsai uh, is on it too. So yeah, John Grant is on it here this week. John Grant. Now, on it, I must actually do go what? and look and listen to all of those. Well, uh, this I've, Discover Weekly. I've What's that? It. It's you, my data. Oh, I made, okay. I made some data. Oh, but I would, you know, the other thing is, which is that's been lost in our conversation here, just about the new music stuff, is that it actually does have a great effect for a new artist when they are on those playlists. I've seen with Laboom, the band they manage, how yes. they have been on New Music Friday and they've got all these uh, pl- passive plays as well from, uh, you know, dance and, and uh, uh, workout playlists and stuff like that. Yes, and you see... but my, my point is that they are not there because Spotify wants you to discover them. They're there because of other factors. That's my point. Yeah, there's a whole other like conversation here about like, you know, the tapestry of how music should fit together on Spotify and how it sounds like and how you can't I'm gonna get to that. that too jarring. Okay, back to your to point. Your, Thank you. Take the floor, please. Okay, so... We now come to the gender representation portion of <laughs> of this podcast. Spotify is constantly under fire for kind of gender representation across playlisting in particular. I had a little look. Now, I've only done two little data collections because I find data scary. Uh, one of them was a, a, a playlist that I, I went into moods. I, and then it was like, what, what, do, what kind of stuff do you want to listen to? And I clicked into rock. And the first playlist there was rock classics. Rock classics has 135 male artists on it okay and 11 women do you do you see what i'm holding up there yeah that is a um crossed off list what do you what do you call that that uh it's, Those, it's, you, it's you know when you write rated. like five five uh, yeah, what is that like, like you would on a prison wall yeah, like yeah. one two three four and then a dash through 135 to 11 um there's also a really major issue, and I and I checked it with this, where if you click into the the eleven women on this, uh, if you click into their their artist profiles, the majority of their suggested artists, um, and in one or two cases, all of the suggested artists are male. Um, so related artists skewing male, whether you're listening to a woman or not. So if I mean, if if you're listening to a male artist almost all of the uh, suggested artists are, are going to be male. And if you're listening to a woman artist, it's very, very unlikely that it's going to be majority women in, in the suggested artists. There has been a lot of studies about this that I've been reading today. And I've double checked, I've checked it with like my own playlists and stuff. And I, I can also kind of throw throw my little, my small little data set in, in into the ring there. Um, my... My Discover Weekly, and I, I listen to a lot of women on Spotify, and I don't think that this is um, that this is this way because I don't listen to women. Um, but my Discover Weekly this week was 28 to 3 uh, okay. men to women, oh, wow. which like, uh, even if I did only listen to men, that's unacceptable. That's that's just not... That I, I've I found that really 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 surprising um and yeah. I'm a, I'm a person who listens to a lot of female artists so like everything else when you find you, you you're finding 
pay disparity really between men and women ingrained in the actual building blocks of the site in, in the recommender systems and these machine learning algorithms. The money that is being doled out to independent artists will skew male because men are more likely to be played because of the way that these playlists are set up. So, And it's it's interesting as well when, when you look at things like uh, related artists, things like race and gender are really taken into consideration when, when recommending related artists. Kind of as well as sound, but I, I, I think that's really a problem because then you, you end up in a situation where black artists are being kind of lumped together in one recommendation stream, I suppose, women in another recommendation stream, Asian musicians in another recommendation stream, and not as you might actually want or understand you're listening to music actually you know grouping them by genre or label or the fact that they sound similar so it means that when when you do go onto your rock classics radio you are only going to hear men you're not going to hear very very many i i i didn't do i i didn't check how many um artists of color were on the rock classics but i i think i i think there was maybe two there were no black women uh, yeah, I think of the, of the of the two or so male artists that were on there, or, or uh, black artists that were on there, they were men, and I mean that's a problem. Um, and then according yeah. to these data trackers um, at was it Buzz Buzz Angle Music, more than ninety nine percent of audio streaming is of the top ten percent most streamed tracks, which means that one percent music streaming is all of the rest of it. Um, and I think we, we, we have to ask ourselves why that is. And I can only conclude that is because of these algorithms that are supposedly recommending new music to us when really they're just playing us the most popular music in the genres that we've suggested that we like. So my Spotify knows that I like indie guitar music and that I like, you know, wh whatever it is that I like. I... I'm I'm going to be recommended new artists in, in this, but really I'm only going to be recommended the top artists in 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 those uh in those genres. And they they will play me more men than women in those genres. And I mean you can ask yourself, who who loses out in that? We all know by this stage we like it's uh it's 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 not white men. This impacts who is given space elsewhere in the industry? Because we know from our conversations in Ireland about, about radio and about Irish radio over the past year that Irish radio stations are paying attention to streaming numbers when it comes to choosing who to playlist on the radio. Uh, we also know that uh, Spotify streams and radio play also impact things like festival lineups and performances and bookings for gigs. Major labels are paying attention to the kinds of artists that get playlisted, whether it's their own artists or or from other labels. Um, the artists who are getting the big streaming numbers, and those labels are making their business decisions according according to that. Um, J Justin Young from the Vaccines told the Financial Times that Spotify data helps them to determine set lists for for their tour shows uh, based on what songs are popular in different parts of the world in different cities. So a set list for one city might be completely different to to another city. I'm, I'm not saying that's particularly sinister in itself, but that but it 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 it's showing you the. Uh, the, the impact that this new 
listening model is having on on actually like what music is being played and to an extent what music is being made and and it changes how we listen to music like, I, you and i know like the the music press is is dying listeners are faced with this expanse of available music that is so overwhelming that it's simply just easier to listen to either your favorite music when you do want to engage with music or to give into a mood playlist when you don't necessarily want to be challenged and there's no incentive to discover because you can put on your discover weekly playlist fool yourself into thinking that you're discovering new music but you're not you're 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 being served music collated by a biased algorithm that is by its design unchallenging come see the bias inherent in the system come see the bias inherent in the system (laughs) exactly you know and so it, it is important, I think, when we talk about the impact on Spotify on artists that we don't just limit the discussion to money. And I think we should broaden it to how streaming platforms actually shape cultural value. So by organizing these artists, like I said, by gender and race so over genre or by promoting only what's popular or only what is is a what what is probably going to work based on current trends um. It turns music into something that is just happening near you, you know, rather than rather than an, an experience that actually ought to be sought out. I I will not be using the mood feature on Spotify anymore. I I've I've been thinking about this over the past few days while I've been kind of looking into all of this stuff. I'm not I'm not using that anymore. I don't like it. It's scary to me, and <laughs> I don't want to um, have these kind of passive experiences anymore. And so for, for for people who who would argue that they are, you know, discovering new music from their Discover Weekly playlists, to that I say, brilliant. If you're finding new artists, that's amazing. But what I would maybe suggest trying is going onto Bandcamp and just just have a look at, at how different the experience of discovering new music on Spotify and discovering new music on Bandcamp is. Because when you discover new music on Spotify, it's very likely that it's going to be a kind of a milk toast, like, yeah, this is easy. This is fine. This is this is something that I'll, I'll probably like, and it's not going to challenge you very much. When you discover new music on Bandcamp, you can find something that really challenges you. You can find something that you have never heard before. You you can find... Yeah, you, or you can, you, can, you know, I mean, go to somewhere you'll, like nylor9.com where we do all that work for you. <laughs> exactly. Well, you but, 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 but that's what I mean. It's like you you can you can go and look at your favorite independent blogs or you can go and see what's on uh what's on pitchfork this week or whatever it might be but i would i would recommend trying to think a bit more critically about where you are discovering music there's nothing wrong with passively listening to music it sounds it sounds like i am giving out about passively listening to music there's absolutely nothing wrong with that but don't fool yourself into thinking you're discovering new music when you're not when you when you are actually like think about how how many times are you being recommended the music that a, a song that isn't in english or a song that is uh not from the west of the world you know what i mean like how how much music and what what is the scope of the music you are actually listening to and how does spotify fit into that because i argue it does not fit into it at all um and i think that we should abandon the moods playlists completely because it turns us into passive listeners can I ask you a question? Am I a bad person if I create a mood playlist for myself? Okay, so this is the next thing I wanted to say because as as um as some listeners will know, I make playlists on Spotify. <laughs> right? We're I all make hypocrites. them and I write a 
No, I don't believe it's hypocritical and I don't believe it's hypocritical when you do it, Niall, because great. <laughs> so people who who have subscribed to my Substack, they'll know that I write a piece of personal writing and then I create a playlist that goes with that that piece of personal writing. A, it's not there so that people can discover new music if they want to discover new music that's great um or if, if they do discover new music from it rather that's great and b it's to serve the other thing it's 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 to work in tandem c it's a human being creating it and these songs mean a lot to me and i'm curating them in the same way that i would be a um a, a mixtape that i'm handing over to somebody i'm not doing it as a tastemaker i'm not doing it as um as somebody with any influence on on what's going to happen to these artists. So it's completely different to Spotify claiming that they're going to help you discover new music or find new music or here's, you know, here's the rock classics. Like, according to who? According to who are these the rock classics? 11 women and 135 men. Get fucked. Okay, I'm done. Sorry. That's great. Um, I enjoyed your rant uh, immensely. <sighs> I'm done. I would like. To, I would like to add. Yeah, thanks for also clearing me up in terms of my guiltiness. Of, of no, of, don't no, don't feel guilty playlists. about that. I love making not playlists. at all. Make playlists. They're they're amazing. And, and God, when they come from human beings, they're they're meaningful and and beautiful. Just don't passively put on those sunny garden Tuesday afternoon playlists. Those are. I think those are bad for our brains. <laughs> I don't bad. really I, will, I wouldn't go near them myself but because uh, no. I have too much music to be listening to anyway mm. but uh, yeah I'm sure there are a lot of people the problem is that Spotify is trying to be the answer to everybody's problem um, or, or you know it's like what well, we listen to that's the answer no matter who you are no matter what level of music you're interested in I hate that what I do hate about Spotify is that they have removed any of the they used to have some editorial on the browse page in terms of like new releases and stuff like that. Mm. You look at their bloody new releases nowadays. All you get is, uh, you know, oh, here's here's new releases. And you're like, OK, today is like AJ Tracy's album, Fred again, all the major label stuff, London Grammar. And then you get down to like they shows you singles and you're like, I don't want to see. Yeah, that's not a new release. That's not a or, single. A single what not what always release. comes like, up on my my new releases is like, um oh, this new fire track from Johann Sebastian Bach. And I'm like, like I, you should know that that's not a discovery for me. Like, just because <laughs> somebody has, you know, re-recorded one of the Goldberg variations, it's not a new discovery. I know, I, I just, I, I think their algorithm is not as nearly as clever as they think it is. Um, yeah, um, and it often you will, in your release radar, get a, a track from an artist who... Uh, has the same name as somebody else who was the mm. one a couple of weeks ago god it's so hilarious i wonder if i could find it i put it in the discord at the time um uh, oh so. is this is, someone had the same name as like a huge artist and just got a, a load of streams yeah but like it, usually what happens is it goes up on the friday and it, it disappears oh danny brown <laughs> <laughs> so it was an artist called Danny Brown, but it wasn't that Danny Brown. It was a very white Danny Brown call, and he had a, a country rock song called "Man Sitting in the White House." And, uh, <laughs> that appeared on my release radar. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" I mean, I I, like, I would listen to the song "Man Sitting in the White House" by Danny Brown. Oh, that do you want to like- hear it? Oh, oh well. Oh, this one, yeah. Go on, sure. We haven't played any music this episode. <laughs> Danny Brown or Danny White? Which one is it? Uh, yeah, White uh, Dan- okay. Danny White. Man sitting in the White House. Here we go. 
this came on, I thought it was going to be Danny Brown. I was like, what <laughs> the fuck is this? It's bad. <laughs> He's using our taxes to kill the unborn. Well, he gave me a laugh anyway. Oh Thank my god! Oh my god! Danny Brown. His so you, you just click play on that thinking, oh, I'm so excited for this. Yeah, new Danny Brown track. And you're like, <laughs> slight guitar all the way up. Like, nope, that's not happening. That's not happening. Good, good for that guy, you know? Yeah, but I, it is kind of hilarious when that happens. I think it happened even last week to me. Mm. I was like, this is the same name as an artist that I've, I've listened to before, but it's not who you think it is. And like, mm. I think that oh. it almost happens every week. Well, there was not. also those... Uh, uh, we should say allegations because Spotify does deny that they've done this but the uh, the allegations that Spotify was uh, uh, up- uploading songs that were by like were, were commissioning songs that yeah, were not yeah. by real artists to kind of flesh out their mood playlists yeah so, all those uh, chill playlists like, a lot in, in the like a... chill lo-fi yeah. concentration playlists which I do dip into sometimes or I won't be anymore I'll make my own but um, I have one those kind of Lo- I'll, I'll I'll listen to your one. Perfect. Um, but yeah, so there was there was uh, allegations that they um they were fleshing those out with kind of not not real music or uh, yeah yeah, which is which is funny and hmm. hmm. Well, won't say um, whether or not I believe it or not, but um, but yeah, I mean, okay, so maybe we can talk about whether there there can or cannot be ethical music consumption under capitalism. Uh, I.e., what can we do? as uh as as consumers because i think it's it's probably unrealistic to ask people to cancel their spotify accounts i won't be canceling my spotify account i will continue considering it but right now i'm not in a position where i can pay for all of the music that i need to listen to um and i don't actually think that streaming is necessarily a bad model but what i am going to try to do going forward is to listen to big artists on spotify if i need to listen to Taylor Swift or anything like that I'll do that on Spotify and if I'm listening to Irish artists or independent artists or smaller label stuff I will try to do that on Bandcamp and then so when when you listen to something a lot on Bandcamp and you haven't bought it yet Bandcamp will kind of nudge you every now and then they'll send you a little email and be like hey have you thought about maybe purchase like if you're listening to like the new Wyvern Lingo say they might send you a little email being like hey you've been listening to this do you want to maybe buy it and a lot of the time you might be like, no, can't afford that. And you cancel yeah, the email. It's the one with the little pop up and it's like, now is the time to open thy wallet. And you're like, uh, if you exactly. press no, it, it, it like the heart breaks and you're like, yeah, oh, no. yeah. But it's, but you know, uh, there's, there's been quite a few albums, like digital albums that I've bought for like a, a few quid that um, I've bought because of those little notifications and those little emails that I wouldn't, uh, that, you know, Sp- Sp- Spotify's not doing that. Spotify's not encouraging me to uh, t- to buy music. It's probably, it's discouraging me to buy music, really. So that's what I'm going to try and do going forward is I'm going to try to um, first buy, buy music and listen to the music that I've bought, um, then listen to music on Bandcamp and other places that might give 
a bit more revenue to artists and then for bigger artists i can um i can listen on on spotify yeah we haven't even gone into the youtube thing and anything like that like that's another big problem <laughs> i was i was listening to some uh joanna newsome the other day and uh i was reading one of the comments underneath and there was a guy who was just like uh uh, Joanna Newsom's the reason why I occasionally close Spotify and open YouTube. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> same. <laughs> but um, yeah, you, you, YouTube might be for a different day, actually. Yeah, that's a, that's um, I will say there's a couple of different um, alternative models that we're seeing being touted, uh, mostly small uh, fan or artist led. There's one called Marine Snow, which was formed by the uh, guy, his name is Tony Lashley. He is a founder of Marine Snow, but he's also a marketing and operations at Blonded. So there's that Frank Ocean reference again. And he is, uh, it is, hasn't launched yet, but marine-snow.co is a social uh, music platform. Um, but instead of uh, focusing on having everything uh, that exists in music what it, it is trying to do or what it will try and do i'm on a waiting list for it i don't even know if it's it's active at the moment but what it's going to do is going to pay artists up front to for exclusivity to be featured on the platform for uh maybe three or four weeks so it's kind of like think or maybe a few months it's kind of like mm. maybe a curated selection of uh music that they think is worth your time whether cool. you know that you vibe with that that's depends on what you get from it but it also has a vertical a social media social network angle as well so you can actually mm. talk you know the way spotify took away the messaging system it used to have on the platform mm. when people could just message you randomly um which it is taken um, away so that kind of yeah, social aspect they, sh they should take that away from basically everything um that sounds that <laughs> sounds good but there's also you know there's there's an issue there with um ensuring longevity with artists as well um because yeah i'm not sure how they, you know, but it is it is they are proposing a different sounds like a good way to discover artists. yeah if you want to then, listen to more about uh marine snow you can listen to holly herndon and matt Dryher's podcast interdependence and um, where they interview tony lashley in one of the most recent episodes about marine snow and the idea behind it and um, also uh i mean we I will. I want to get Liz Petty on the show um, soon. Um, Liz is the writer that uh, talked a lot about, uh, writes a lot about Spotify. She used to be actually our intern in State Magazine uh, in Dublin. And so she's a legend. And last time I was over in New York, I actually interviewed her for the podcast about streaming and Spotify. But whatever happened is uh, my, my recording didn't work. So we weren't able to use it. Um, it was just awful quality. So uh, I had to leave it. Um, but I do mean to go and talk to her again. Obviously, she's been in a lot of um, articles about Spotify, criticizing Spotify uh, for The Baffler. Um, so you can go find uh, Liz's thoughts on uh, all sorts of stuff um, about Spotify and the playlisting and algorithm and how it works and pretty much anything you can think of. Um, also, uh, true Liz, I saw a, uh, a small streaming project called Catalytic Sound. Uh, which is a project run by a group of 30 artists who are kind of breaking away from that the per stream payment models by splitting the monthly artist cut from subscriptions 30 ways uh, for 30 artists to regardless of the stream count so that's catalytic sound um that is like an experimental independent musicians who are trying to service 
Um, so I think I have know, another the- suggestion, um, which is uh, at home in Ireland. There's uh, I've, I've two suggestions for artists here. Um, one is uh, was suggested to me by Cullum in the Discord, uh, which is Praxis, um, which is a new uh, trade union for for artists in Ireland. Um, It's a trading initiative. Uh, They say, we define artists in the widest sense of the world. The union is committed to giving artists strategic power in their places of work and improving their living and working conditions. And some of their objectives include to build a united, active and growing membership, give members a strong voice in their workplace, improve the living and working conditions of their members, build an arts community based on solidarity. So you, you can go on to the practice, Praxis, P-R-A-X-I-S uh, website uh, to see more of that. And also is uh, another option for both artists and people who want to support the music industry is to support the call for the universal basic income for artists. Um it, it it means kind of support for all, but artists are very, very good place to start. I mean, universal basic income is something that I personally believe should be a thing for everybody, but artists is, uh, are a good place to start. Uh, Minister Ka- Catherine Martin, who is the um, Minister for Arts, Music, The Gale Talk, all, all of that huge long list of things that, she, <laughs> that that poor woman was put in charge of. Um, also a former music teacher and singer, she wrote a very interesting piece uh, for the journal um, about calling for a universal basic income for artists. And she highlights that, you know, artists are professionals like the rest of us who need money to survive. Uh, she does highlight the work done during the pandemic by the government in terms of the live performance support scheme, as well as the additional funding um, for things like the Arts Council and Budget 2021 and the wage subsidies schemes. Um, and also there is, she does head an arts and culture recovery task force, um, which in a report published last year recommended this universal uh, basic income. Um, and just to kind of note on that, that 30% of artists in Ireland make less per year than the national minimum wage. Um, and because of the, because of the way that a lot of artists kind of work, like, maybe sometimes they're freelance maybe sometimes they're p-a-y-e maybe sometimes they're completely unemployed so it's we 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 do need to tackle the problem with artists not being paid not just by looking at places like spotify and not just by looking at you know the the market or the free market quote unquote but we need to actually actually look at policymakers and regulations that could be introduced to just make it a safer place for artists to work. Um, and, and that comes back also... to... Go on. Sorry, and that comes back to the broken record idea of trying to uh, uh, enshrine into law a sort of uh, regulation or fairness in terms of the record label streams and, and uh, uh, deals. And it's all, look, there's a lot of talk yeah. about fairness for artists suddenly. And uh, it's a really good thing, isn't it? I mean, just to see that all of a sudden. Things like Bandcamp Friday um, and all, all of these things are are brilliant and we should absolutely be supporting them. But it also does highlight the need for kind of good faith actors in the free market, which is not really a place that we really want to be. Bandcamp are under no obligation to make sure that their artists are financially supported. We're happy that they do that, but there's no no one is putting that onus on them. They're doing it because they're they're a sound group of people. Until there's proper regulation by governments who support their homegrown talent, we are absolutely at the, at the mercy of the markets. It starts with universal basic income. It also 
needs to be a support system in place to support independent radio, to support music journalists and blogs, arts journalism, live performances. Spotify is a major issue, but it's not the only one. And it's far from being the biggest enemy of the artist in this conversation and the biggest enemy of the listener in this conversation. It's an example of, you know, capitalism working well. And we have to ask ourselves if that's the kind of world that we want to live in, redistribute the wealth. That's that's my last. And also, if you can't afford to support artists, then tell your friends about them, like post about them on social media. There's nothing like getting a text from a friend being like, hey, here's a band I think you'll like. Nobody hates those texts. Everyone loves those texts. They're the best texts. So do that. Like text a friend who's never heard of Pillow Queens and just send them the Pillow Queens album on Bandcamp and they might buy it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, gigs will come back and, you know, I'm getting a bit of a flutter by putting some money down on some gigs, especially from the Irish artists uh, um, who are announcing gigs at the moment. And uh, so do that as well. You give yourself something to look forward to. And uh, I know, had a uh, a gig ticket come in the post. Yesterday. Me too. Me I too. was like, oh, what was w- it? What was yours for? Uh, it might be for the same thing because uh, it, it was for dry, dry cleaning. Dry cleaning in the bottom factory. Yay. Yay. Okay, I will see you there. Um, I I had to like, it was there and I was holding it and I was like, oh my God, I have to keep this safe until 2022. So I just like put it in a drawer, told my housemates, I was like, okay, next year when I'm freaking out trying to find this ticket, please remember that it's in this drawer. Yeah, I always put it in my bedside locker. If, if, there you uh, go. If you're ever you know, burglaring Nile, that's, that's, that's where the real wealth is. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thanks for everybody for joining us Different. on this uh, chat about uh, streaming and Spotify and all the rest of it. Um, yeah. I'm and do a... send us your thoughts. I'd like to hear that is what you have to say about that. Yeah, it's yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, if you are on the Patreon, do sign up to the Discord. There's an invite link in your emails there. Um, we're having great shots, as I said. Uh, you know, I don't ruin it too much by telling everybody what we're talking about, but like... It's been a lovely, for me, I find it, it's been a lovely space for, to have an office almost. It's like my virtual office. Yeah. Uh, drop in there, talk about whatever you want. And uh, yeah. the fact that it's a live chat that isn't on Twitter or anything like that in the private, it's been really, really good. Um, uh, Sutton, who on, on our um, uh, Discord shared uh, that I'd not seen it before, but the story of A Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlton. Uh, the Vice yeah. uh, documentary, uh, which they also have one about Shaggy, uh, the Tong song, and uh, Eiffel 65 Blue, which is where to watch. So I watched that last night. Um, so um, yeah, lots to watch there. And uh, you have some recommendations there as well, um, which I have to add and watch um, in the next few days. Uh, oh, yeah. More yeah. Of the, a few. yeah. So there's a couple of those. Great. Okay. Um, we'll be back uh, in the next uh, week or so. And um, yeah, that's it from us. Thanks for listening. And uh, take care. You can always tell people about us as well. That was always appreciated. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> do that. Because we, we we did well on, on streams and uh, downloads and stuff last week. So appreciate that. So keep yeah, that going. The, and, and... the week when I hardly say a word and everyone's like, <laughs> oh, what a great podcast episode. Yeah. I'm it's not only read the infectious nature ever. of Italo Disco. I, I, I yeah. About that. 100% yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Bye, everyone. All right. See you next week. Bye bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.